and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Welcome to Three Peas in a Pod, episode 195. We made it. Yes, sir. We're we getting are close. getting really close to that 200th episode. We're all excited about it. I'm Nathan has promised me food. I'm so I'm excited. I can't hardly stand it. I'm excited. You look excited. I'm, I'm, I'm. Ed's about to burst over here. I'm just so excited. He's so full of it. And we came to we. I think we've come to. We're going to do some kind of the deep dish pizza. But then we said that we that, are. That's what we said. But then did we did have a whole conversation about how the deep dish pizza at this new place is not real Chicago yeah, style. I, yeah. I want to sue them for uh, it won't matter. false advertising. Well, okay. we haven't had it. So we, we haven't had, but we have heard we've that heard it is from Chicago pizza people. But you know. When you're, a little when you're from a place, pizza. it's like people in Atlanta who say the best chili dogs at the varsity, and I'm like, you haven't had a chili dog, have you? <laughs> <laughs> that's about it, right? There. That's what we got, though. I mean, they're, they're, they're okay. They're okay. And they got that orange cream thing. I'll eat them. That's his pretty Oh, good. I will definitely eat them. Good. I like going to the varsity. Mm-hmm. But the best? Yeah. I'm, the mm. best thing they sell, man. The greasiest. Food, food opinions are all just subjective. Mm-hmm. So, that is true. So, uh, so we have. Uh, have y'all eaten it at the water, water, water burger? <laughs> what, what, you know what I'm trying to say? What a burger in town? No, I have not. I haven't eaten, but I have eaten it once. I, I have, have eaten. I have it. What a burger before? I've been yeah. waiting on the the drive through to go down, and it just. I don't won't. think yeah. it's going to. It's like all the way out I to the road. I heard somebody. Or I, I saw the one I ate at before in the places they were before they came here. I, they're not worth me getting in that line. Mm-mm. I saw there ain't many burgers worth no. in that line for us. Someone no. on, on Facebook or something asked, can you eat inside the Whataburger? And they said, yes, but you will never be able to leave because <laughs> that parking lot's so small. It sucks and, you in. And yeah. then by, you can't, like, there's never a spot to pull out because the drive through is wrapped around. That's true. Mm. Well, anyway, sorry, I, will not be, sorry. I will not be there for a while. I apologize. Okay, so today's episode uh, might be a, a record, a new record for us. Okay. The longest question okay. I've long ever got. So, all right, here we go. For those of you uh, who don't like long questions, I'm sorry. Scrub You're going to have to buckle up because I'm going to read the entire question and you're about to, you to pack a lunch. So, here right. we go. All right. Here's our the question. People who know me know how much I'm going to have to concentrate. Yes. For the next <laughs> we may have to take breaks for Ed. I'm really, I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to check. So, y'all watch. Those of you watching on YouTube, watch Ed. And if he starts to fade. If I'm looking over here at some point. <laughs> so, hang in there with us, Ed. All right, here we I'm go. Listening. Long question. But a good question. Good, good subject matter, we think. Here we go. How do you navigate leading your family to God when they don't seem interested? I have a niece that passed away as a baby, and I need them to know that the only way they will see her again is in heaven. I know they believe in God. Or my dad, who says he went to church enough when we were growing up, and he's read the Bible, and he believes in God, but none of them actually have a relationship with God or know him. I plant seeds, I invite them to church, but also don't want to push them further. I've done some searching and I've looked into this subject, so I know leading by example and praying is the best way to go about this, but I was hoping you had some insight or direction, especially Ed, (laughs) because he has shared about his parents in the past. Okay. How, as a wife and mom, can I lead my husband towards God? He knows about God, and he went to church some when he was little, but has never lived a godly life and doesn't seem that interested. He does come to church with me, which is wonderful, and he isn't negative about it, by any means, but I know for certain our relationship would be so much better 
if God were at the center. I want him to be on fire for God like I am. I make comments about how I want our children to know and love God, and it's important for us to show them that. Once again, he isn't negative about it, but doesn't really have much to say. End of question. That was a long question. That was a long question. Well, why don't since the since specifically of, since specifically the question asker yes. uh, asked for Ed's insight, but mentioned uh, mentioned in particular his parents. I don't know that everyone on our podcast knows. Hmm. I'm assuming she's she's referencing the fact that uh, that you have shared. I know in certain like volunteer lunches and such about. Your uh, mom being a believer, mm. my grandmother being mm. a believer, but your dad not being a believer until late into his life, and she was faithful in praying. So maybe just a quick yeah. That so I, you know, you've you've answered your own question, and my mom certainly lived this out by praying an example. Uh, my mom's faith in Christ never wavered, but they got married. Uh, my mom and dad got married. He was not a believer and not just not a believer. I mean, he wasn't anti, like you mentioned about your husband, uh, wasn't anti and had committed to her before they got married that he would go to church with her every Sunday. And he did. Uh, but there are no quick fixes. I guess that's what I would want to say, at least from my experience with my parents and with other people I have watched on this road. Uh, it's hard. It can be quick. It can be forced. And with most of the people that I have known that have turned that curve as adults, and it was certainly true for my dad, there's generally a defining painful moment of some kind where something gets their attention. So from my mom and dad, my dad uh, and mom had been married almost 20 years by the point it's a little less than that, 17, 18 years by the point that he finally came uh, to fully make Jesus Lord of his life after going to church all that time. But the painful experience was uh, his health. I mean, he had he had a couple of massive heart attacks. Uh, everyone, you know, in 1970s when that happened, everybody thought he was going to die. He thought he was going to die. He had to take a step back from what he had always done to lead his family and making money and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, it suddenly got his attention mm -hmm. that uh, all the control he had exercised over most of the areas of his life uh, he, it was just an illusion. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had to, the things he had been listening to for 18 years, um, you know, he began to let seep into his mind and heart that God really did care about him and that God would lead him and that God would help him. And from that point on, his life dramatically changed. I mean, dramatically changed. I just spent some time with my sisters recently and we were talking about, uh, by the point he became a Christian, I was still not a Christian and was a late middle school, early high school teenager, already in blown rebellion. And, uh, his conversion happened too late for him to have much immediate impact on me, except negatively. Uh, I just didn't buy it, <laughs> you know, and probably didn't want to buy it. That's probably also the truth. Probably had more to do with me not wanting to buy it. But they both stayed the course and he genuinely changed. And I saw it and over time. There was a dramatic thing. But I would just say 
This is a long, hard road with a spouse. So prayer, and the prayer is not just that their heart will change, I yes. think. The prayer is that you can walk the road mm -hmm. consistently, mm -hmm. authentically, love them deeply, uh, which my mom did, and uh, not be too dang pushy. Mm. Just ask them to, you know, do what they had committed. He he had committed to go to church. She did not make him commit to become some super, uh, you know, spiritual leader in our home because he couldn't have done that. I remember the times he would try to read the Bible to us, and I've joked he only read two or three verses all about the need for all of us to go work hard. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I just would, now when it comes to other members, you mentioned other family members as well, and you said, I don't want to push them. I think, again, you are on the right track. Yeah. No one can be pushed to follow Jesus. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that, that was something I thought as I read the question was, you know, that I've heard it said, you know, no one ever gets argued into the kingdom of mm -hmm. God. Nobody ever gets pushed. And I think generally speaking, that's, that's true as a principle. And so anything that you do that causes you to get the sense that I am Try, I am trying to manufacture something here. Mm -hmm. You've probably, I think, stepped ahead of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. in that sense. Um, your role is to is not is not to do anything to cause something to happen. It is to be someone that would draw someone into the kingdom of God because you want to make the kingdom of God so attractive that they look at your life and go, mm -hmm. they have something I'm missing whether they come to that realization early on in the process or like Ed said, something has to happen for them to see. And unfortunately, sometimes that's what it takes is a tragedy or we always talk about, you know, hitting the brick wall or mm -hmm. something. You know, I've, all of us, I think as pastors have said, we have often had conversations with people at church and they would intimate, I'm just not ready, you know. And one of the vices I say to them, I say, well, you just run hard into, at that life until it hits a brick wall and I'll be right here waiting for the answer, you know, right. give you the answers you need when you hit it. Sometimes you almost have to pray that that will happen in their life, that they will hit that wall or they will come to that moment where they look to, to God or maybe to you for some kind of comfort or answers or some peace. And if, if you're living in the center of the kingdom of God, you will, you will be right where they need to be and they will come at that point rather than you trying to draw them in. So. Yeah, I think that I think that's it's the it's the importance of getting to people. It's why your inclination you want your kids to grow to love God is a good thing because there is a natural openness and softness I believe in the heart of every person when they're young to knowing God and if we can plant seeds early and live a life that's attractive early enough before our kids uh, I think there's a desire that gets planted in them that uh, doesn't go away. But there also is a thing that happens when you put forced pressure yep. on people when they're young around things um, that does make it hard to come out of it. I, I remember reading Philip Yancey's book, uh, What's So uh, Amazing, Amazing About, about grace. grace. And it's one of the, it's just a great book about yes. grace. But he grew up in a very legalistic uh, Christian background where uh, if you didn't do certain behaviors, then memorizing scripture and reading the Bible was the 
punishment. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the book, I remember him at one point saying, I wonder if anybody ever thought about the danger of making the book they wanted me to love yes. be a punishment. Mm-hmm. But it happens in a lot of ways. I've known kids that get in trouble in a public school and their parents pull them out and put them in a Christian school <laughs> where they are forced to go to chapel in that and the Bible becomes a subject. And again, I wonder what's what happens to a kid when you make the Bible a subject that you didn't have to take until you got in trouble. Yep. And so I just say with all of it, it's, it's, I, I get the desire of people. We want good things for people we love, mm-hmm. but you, you cannot take the easy way of Jesus, the attractive way of Jesus, and somehow make it a punishment or a push. Or even at times, uh, the desire of saying, you know, you won't go to heaven. Mm. Well, that sounds, in one way, it's a really good thing. On the other way, it's almost a threat. Yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, because we know what the flip side of that. The, is. For the, and, <laughs> yeah, God's got this really good thing. And if you don't love him enough, uh, you're not going to get to enjoy the really good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when God speaks of himself, and I have to remind myself of this all the time, when God speaks of himself, when he first says to Moses who he is, he says, the Lord, the Lord, slow to anger, abounding mercy. And that verse in, in a bunch of ways is the most repeated description of God everywhere in the Bible. And yet uh, the God that I heard about so often sounded like he was really quick to send people to hell, mm-hmm. looking for a way to get it done, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, was angry most of the time and withholding good things. God doesn't withhold good things, even from people who are not good people. Mm-hmm. True. So I I don't know if the, all of that helps or not, but I just think it's it's really important that we get the idea that uh, we well, want to present a life to people that's mm-hmm. an attractive life and a God that's very attractive. A God that's attractive, yeah. not the stuff he provides. That's right. Because mm-hmm. that, that's the thing for me when people use the heaven argument mm-hmm. is I, I, I get where that comes from. And I'm not saying it's coming from a bad place, but I think it's misguided because we are placing something above him mm-hmm. like you know you you should want this more than anything well no actually i should want god more than any because mm-hmm. if if you don't come to love god mm-hmm. and truly want uh his presence in your life heaven will be hell for you yeah mm-hmm. you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to take it and in fact that that's the way i look at the reason people don't wind up there is because god won't give you something that you cannot handle right <laughs> in the first mm-hmm. place it, it, it would be torture I know people who are absolutely 100% vehemently, they hate God, Christianity, Jesus. It just makes, they they can't stand it. Well, why would a loving God force them to come into his presence anyway? He, you know, it's the old C.S. Lewis thing. You know, it's either thy will be done or your will, you know, God's will or your will. And Mm -hmm. if that's what you want, then God will give it to you. That's right. So I just think it's, it's, it's important to make that distinction not that it's wrong to talk about heaven and all the great things God sure. has in store for us, but to also put that in its proper place with God being the ultimate prize that I'm going for. So, Yeah, and I think it's just important. I mean, everything that we've said of praying and, mm-hmm. and, and not pushing and also to get in our heads, it may never happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. um, You know, the story that, you know, of my grandparents, um, 
I wouldn't say it's completely unique, but is is fairly unique in certain regards in the sense that uh, he was faithful to his commitment of we'll go to church every Sunday. I know many relationships where church then becomes a point of tension between the non-believing spouse and the believing spouse. Every Sunday you're going to come here, you're going to take our kids, we can't be at home together. Sometimes that's a tension and it's a and it uh, becomes a struggle as well. And, uh, you know, we always talk about, you know, even here we talk about, you know, living as a faithful witness of what life with Jesus looks like, and we want it to be this attractive thing. But the truth is, for some people, it's never attractive. Um, mm-hmm. That's the, right. The good news never sounded good to Herod. No. Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, the good news did not always sound, it did not sound good to the rich young ruler. Um, it didn't sound good to Judas, who had walked all the same ways. Right. Every, whenever yeah. it came clear to him, this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. He bailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And I think the idea that uh, my job is to be such a faithful witness that I love the people in my life enough um, to not try to present it as something it's not. Um, and I think sometimes the way we were talking, even when we said the thing about, you know, don't say... Um, the heaven part, because sometimes we are the part of the reason why we want to do that. Of is I'm tr- I'm trying to figure out the best sales pitch, yep, right? And right. eternity is a good sales pitch mm-hmm. to try and get you into the kingdom. But you know, part the, the reason Herod didn't like the good news is because he wanted to be king. Mm-hmm. The idea of another king. Well, the problem in our culture is in American culture, we've all been promised we get to kind of be our own ruler. Uh, there may be a president, but he ain't my king. Mm-hmm. Right. And I get even the freedom to say that ain't my president. Yeah. I get to kind of decide who it is. And in our world, um, I may be okay with heaven. I'm not okay necessarily with King Jesus. Well, and I think that maybe I had never thought about it that way, Nathan, until you were just talking there. That may be why it's been such an easy sell in the United States. Well, maybe everywhere. I only know this culture, this idea of you can go to heaven. And once you make that decision, you can still live any way you want to because yeah. you already made that decision. Sure. And you got you got to make the decision. Right. You yeah. got to make and you get to make the decision about the other stuff. And God's already promised you know, right. you, you're you're still in charge. Well, and the way you just described it, Ed, isn't that a much easier sell? Yes. To to give to people of, hey, make a decision and look at all the benefits you will reap That's in your right. in your afterlife. Well, who wouldn't sign up for that right. if it requires nothing of me? But then to go back and to actually preach what the apostles said right. was Jesus is king. You, you come underneath his lordship. Right. And that and come and Jesus said, come and die. Come and die. Um, that's not a good sales pitch. In well, fact, particularly for all those people, first 300 years, yeah. everybody converted them did die. They did. <laughs> they all, yeah. they all did give their life for it. It yeah. wasn't like they were saying, it's a possibility you might have to give your life. They're all like, oh, you're going to give your life. You're in trouble. <laughs> and so I think with the people in our lives, like we said, we want to be a faithful witness of that. And if a person finds that attractive, then they're open to it. My guess is, you know, I, honestly, I was not, my, my grandpa died when I was, I think I was seven or eight when he passed away. That's probably right. And so I, I, I never really got to know him very well. I got to know my grandma a little better, but she had Alzheimer's. But I, said, I never really knew. But what I know of her, um, there was probably a time in my grandfather's life that her demeanor, very gentle, very quiet, was not attractive to him. Mm-hmm. That form of Christianity was almost, that's weak. 
It's foolish. You can't run a large ranch being that way. But then when this, you know, whatever happens, the end of my life is coming along. There's something beautiful about the peace of that. And it, and it becomes attractive to me, but there's a way in which even the way, um, I'm often tempted to present the gospel to people or present, hey, come be a part of the churches. I'm trying to figure out, here's here's the sales pitch of all the things Jesus has to offer you. And if you'll come and do this, you'll you'll get this. Um, And what I'm trying to remind myself is that my goal is just to live it out, as both Jason and Ed have said, if I can live it out. And then if it's attractive to the person, they will come to me. But it is very possible that this other person will never find it attractive, but I can't change who Jesus is nor who the kingdom is to make it attractive. And that is a tragedy when that is the case. Um, And I think that's often why it's easier for children because children are very open to what is life. You're telling, and when I tell a child, the best way to live is to be patient and gentle and kind. And then they they interact with someone who is patient and gentle and kind. They go, oh, that is nice. Well, you know, I've thought of this recently with my grandchildren and watching. I think the reason it's easier for them to accept that patience and gentleness and kindness is all better because when you're on the on the underside of the power curve, right? Children, children are always. Yeah, they have no authority. They yeah. go, and I wish everybody would be patient mm-hmm. and gentle and kind. Because sometimes when people aren't, it's scary and it's overpowering mm-hmm. and it's tough. So they go, I don't want to be that. Yes. But then when you start to get a little more power, you go, Oh, I can see why that was tragic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might work. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's why it's better to get it when mm-hmm. you know on the on the other side. And I would just, this just hit me as both of y'all were talking. I think it's important to admit to to you who asked the question. I, I would say to you, and I'll probably get the sense that what we're saying is not extremely attractive to you. Mm. <laughs> and Good point. That's yes. okay to yes. admit that. This kind of, because it is so much easier to convince and to think that I have some control and there's a magic formula. And if I do it, they're going to come to Jesus and all this and, and then I and I just stay real hard and intense and go after it. It makes me feel good that I'm actually doing something. But your posture in the life you live with your children, with your husband, is it's like the def- definition we use around here for discipleship. It is a long obedience in the yeah, same direction. That's right. And it and it might be all for naught in that's that right. sense. In that sense. That yeah. they like Nathan said, it may never happen, but it's not your job to make anything happen. It is your job to stay faithful. And keep walking. And the the good news is that if you do that, you've got the best shot mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're putting yourself right in the center of God's will. And one day, hopefully, you'll be able to rejoice and see your kids come to faith, your mm-hmm. husband come to faith, mm-hmm. whoever it is that else that you love come to faith. And uh, I will tell you this, if, if you take that posture, the celebration you experience on that day will be much greater than if you were just cajoling them the whole right. time mm-hmm. through. I, I believe that. Very I much. believe that. I too. agree. So I, I also want to say about this when we were sitting here, we're thinking because you know you asked about my parents, and it's easy on this side of my parents' story to see how it turned out. To, but I, I don't want to it to say my dad kept his commitment. He did keep his commitment. But to say it was always easy, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I've told you all before about how we changed churches and, right. you know, and mm-hmm. 
to say that he wasn't trying to see if he could wear her out. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just, you just, right. my mom was raised by a very faithful person as well. And her family was deeply, you know, everyone in her family was really committed to faith. And so uh, I, he couldn't have worn her out because mm-hmm. her faith wasn't big and flamboyant. People might have thought she was weak. She was not weak. Oh, no. mm-hmm. She was just quiet. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I can just remember he would want to do other things. You go, okay, well, we'll, okay, well, God's over there too. And mm-hmm. we're, we're just going to go there too. And, you know, she just would not be deterred. Right. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. And I'm going to trust you to going to do what you said you were going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for the long question. Yeah. I hope that answer helped. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, send us more if, if if you want to follow up. You with can that. write even longer ones if you want. <laughs> As you see, we have now, had we fun. Will, we will read. The That's question. right. I was making jokes. Well, and I will say, that, in some in some sense, enjoyed. it's actually a little more helpful. Oh yeah, I would say maybe there's an in between. But some people send, <laughs> some people send very uh, blunt questions where we uh, with a lot of ambiguity. Sure. They just say, "How do I do this?" And we're like, "I don't know what you're really asking." There is a benefit of there's a lot of specificity. There to was, this. yeah, very so, helpful. So uh, I, I, we've got one, I think, came from the same person. Uh, I, they came back to back, I yeah, saw. On so period, we're going to so. get to that one. Written in similar style, I guess. Yeah. Similar. In fact, I think this one is has a name attached to it. The, yes, the one. Uh, the I'm next guess, one. I'm is. guessing that it was the same person. I didn't want to say. I didn't assume that. I didn't want to assume before I said it. So, But we'll see. I'm not sure. But well, I appreciate your question. Me too. And it, uh, I can tell it really matters to you. Mm-hmm. We, and that's we, that's important. Yes. We prayerfully right now are hoping that uh, you stay on the path and get this happen. So yes. the benefit that will come to you from persevering through mm-hmm. this yes. is, is worth it. Mm-hmm. Good job. All right. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.